0: Welcome to postburnout.com interviews, my name is Aaron Kavanagh and I'm the website's founder and editor-in-chief. Postburnout.com is a culture website dedicated to venerating burnt-out artists the world over. Our interviews are mainly recorded to be transcribed, but every now and again we release the audio in a series we call postburnout.com interviews. If you enjoy what we do, be sure to subscribe. In this edition of postburnout.com interviews we speak with guitarist and vocalist Matt Donnelly of the Bristol indie rock band Chasing Kites. We talk about Matt starting the band as a solo project, how the project evolved into a full band and how this dynamic has changed the band's music and lyrics. Matt's personal lyric writing, his propensity for storytelling, his plans for an album and concepts around it, working with producer Sam Winfield, performing live and more. So the first thing I just kind of wanted to ask you was how the uh, Jason Kites project kind of came about.
1: Yeah, so it started six years ago when I started university in Bath. Yeah, yeah, I came came to Bath University sort of with this idea that I was going to be surrounded by hundreds of like-minded musicians and it'd be really, really easy to start a band. Um, That wasn't actually really the case. I struggled for a long time to find musicians to sort of fit the sound and um, eventually, we went through a number of sort of lineup changes and things like that, and then the final lineup. We actually wrote the final lineup only a couple of years ago, um, and that was actually down to a load of sort of um, adverts, sort of musicians wanted adverts, um, which, was, which was kind of like my last, my last resort. <laughs> it was like a, fi- a final attempt um, to find, yeah, to find sort of a strong lineup. But luckily, it kind of fell into place just at just at the right time.
0: Yeah, when you were talking about uh, you know trying to start the project in Bath, I mean, what um, what I guess was the intention? What were you sort of looking for, and um, what was the influence, perhaps?
1: So I was looking. I mean, I was looking for. I was I was in a band from the age of twelve to, to nineteen when I went to university, and um same band, and we we did we did quite well, and things were going well. That's why we took we took a year out um, between school and university to try and sort of give it give it give it an attempt to kind of yeah make something of ourselves. Um didn't quite come together, and that was very sort of that band was very sort of like indie pop influenced relatively like soft commercial sound um with this project with Chasing Kites I really wanted to sort of capture a, a more sort of raucous aggressive sound sort of straight up indie rock kind of tone, which is sort of more in line with my influences which is um they sort of like Arctic Monkeys and The Strokes and um bands of that ilk really um yeah
0: yeah so when uh when it came to like uh, your own like um, starting to be sorry. When it came to you becoming a musician, um, what what were you self taught? Were you uh, formally taught, or were you? Um...
1: I was self taught. Um, yeah, I never actually had. I think i had I'd, I'd one classical guitar lesson. Like have a, the acoustic guitar up here. Yeah, sort of like this, and it was just I just hated it. Um, <laughs> like I didn't get on with the teacher at all. I found the teacher really patronising, and um, so i had one lesson. I was like, cool, well, that, well, that's it. I'm not playing guitar ever again um and then very soon after that sort of yeah discovered that that wasn't what guitar was all about really and um i mean from a very young age i've been i've always written words i've always liked writing words and stories and poetry um and that sort of came before music really um when they came together that's sort of where i found where i found my passion for songwriting really um but yeah completely self taught I, I was I, I wasn't really aware of singing at all or me singing until about the age of 12, 13, when um, I was in a music class at school and everyone was made to stand up one by one and sing accompanied by a piano, which is obviously just traumatising for a 13-year-old boy yeah. in a lot of boys' school, just the most embarrassing thing ever. But I did it and everyone was like, you yeah, know, it was actually quite good. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. So I took the took part in this play and Never looked back. Really, I sort of fell in love with it. I mean, that's obviously I completely stumbled stumbled upon that. I had no intention of being a singer, no intention of being in a band, and just kind of fell into it. Really,
0: if I'm correct, Chasekites uh, actually started as a somewhat of a solo project, right? And then it kind of um, grew into um, as as it went along, it kind of grew into um, a full band. And um, yeah, I was wondering, like, what do you think, like, um, for yourself? I mean, like, uh, doing the project as a solo project and and then doing it as a full band, how do you think it differs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I was I kind of became a solo artist by default sort of linked to that link that story I was telling about going to university. I was hoping to find all these musicians um, and and just couldn't couldn't really find them. And I was like, okay, well, cool, well, I'll do it by myself and sort of um yeah, produce in my bedroom and do it all myself. And it's it's very lonely. I found yeah. it very found it a very lonely existence. I kind of once I decided I wanted to do a musical project. I think it was I was I only was ever going to be in a band, I think. I think the I think the solo project was probably yeah just out of desperation really. Um, I think in the back of my mind it was it was always it was always supposed to be a band. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: You're talking about like doing a bit of the um, self producing, and I know for example that your uh, your music now is is produced by at least partially produced by Sam Winfield, uh, probably best known for Bring Me To Horizon, his work with them. Um, yeah, I was wondering what do you think like working with kind of external producers brings to the musical dynamic then.
1: I think I mean Sam is an absolute genius I think it's it's it, it is always slightly hit and miss with a producer um they're go- they're going to sort of inflict their own sort of um taste and um style on the, on your music and I think you, you kind of it is a bit of yeah, it is a bit hit and miss. I mean whereas Sam, understands us completely he, he completely understands what we're trying to go for this sort of this sort of like raucous loud guitar band but also we're really trying to stay sort of in say commercial and radio friendly and things like that yeah which I think is like a, a, a perfect recipe for us really um and Sam completely gets that I think through through sheer skill he's just he's just an absolute genius I mean like I am a very very basic producer I know very very little about that kind of thing I produced like demos um really low level demos. Um when this started as a solo project, I really know nothing I'm completely out of my depth when we get in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, but just yeah, absolute genius. We owe a lot to Sam.
0: Yeah. And um it, what's kind of interesting you're talking about the kind of um sort of the, the commercial aspect of your music too. And I think it's interesting. I mean when you look at you mentioned the Arctic monkeys as an inspiration earlier and like how how sort of in the 2000s, like it was it was just basically mainstream uh, pop music was this kind of uh, alternative indie guitar it's like it was you know um, it, it had this like real resurgence and do you think uh, do you see something like that coming back
1: absolutely I think I think it is about time now I think it really is about time it's been yeah it's been quite a long time since we had that huge I mean that yes yeah, so like that two thousand scene in in Britain was an incredible time obviously I was slightly too young to sort of remember or appreciate it but mm-hmm. it's I absolutely believe it'll come back around background again these these songs that these bands were writing and what, what we are very conscious of when we are writing is that they are pop songs underneath yeah. and then sort of over and then over the top of these sort of loud, raucous guitars. Um which yes it keeps us keeps us commercial really. That's 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 the idea anyway. That's the that's the plan. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: When it comes to your new single, uh, Two Towns, it's a uh, song about, um, I, I believe, a distant uh, relationship, a long, distant relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, like, when it comes to not only that song, I guess, but just, like, your music in general, I believe you take, like, a lot of uh, inspiration from kind of personal stories. And um, I was wondering how much of, of your music is is uh, fictionalised and somewhat autobi- uh, autobiographical.
1: It's um, pretty much 100% autobiographical, really. Um yeah, I wouldn't say I was particularly creative in the sense of making up stories. So I sort of stick to stick to what I know, which is the, the things that I've been through and the stuff I've experienced, lots all the stuff my family's experienced. Um, it tends to be pretty much entirely autobiographical. Um, I think I think I just don't feel, I only ever write about what I genuinely feel compelled to write about. And I think stuff I've actually been through that's had an emotional impact on me tends to be the stuff I feel compelled to write about. Um, and like you said, like you say, with, with Two Towns, it was, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's about a, um, a relationship that comes to an end because you just you're too far apart. And you can't see each other enough, and then with that comes a lot of resentment and anger. And it's yeah, not a nice situation, really. But yeah, no, we like that song.
0: Yeah, um, and it is a really great song, I think too. And um, do you feel um, comfortable like when it comes to uh, exposing kind of stories yourself? Like no, like not even necessarily, you know, thinking about um. Um, like how it's going to be perceived by the general public when it's released. We even say, like, with your band members, so have there ever been like songs where, you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to put this forward yet?
1: That's a very, very good question. I think um, I I do feel comfortable putting music out that's about myself. I couldn't tell you why. It might have just been. I think possibly when I first started releasing music, it was quite exposing, um, but also very exciting. I think, yeah, the fear. Probably does wear off every time you release a song, and with regard to the other band members, I think they don't tend to ask many questions about. Mm. They're, they're completely welcome to, and I, I answer with complete honesty. But they don't tend to ask many questions. We're sort of, we. I'll, I'll bring a I'll bring a new song to the to the rehearsal room, um, and sort of that's, that's how we work. We really. I sort of I sort of write like the bare bones of the song, sort of the chords, melody, lyrics behind closed doors on an acoustic guitar and then either bring it to the rehearsal room or I'll send over to Liam our lead guitarist who will sort of and that's when the song comes to life really when when the, Liam puts the guitar instrumentation over the top and obviously the drums come in and stuff that's what brings it to life so when we, when we get to that point I think rather than ask questions about lyrical content it's more sort of like we've got a job to do here we've got to, we're going to turn this into a proper song now yeah. Um, yeah I think if they do ask questions that comes a lot later
0: yeah. I'm <laughs> um, like, uh, kind of bringing back, I guess, before uh, Full Circle then, so um, you were kind of mentioned that uh, how, you know, the the other band members kind of bring their um, own touches to it and how that really elevates the music. Do you um, ever sometimes like think, uh, stop and think like, well, if I continue this as a solo act, they wouldn't have this kind of additional layers or this additional electricity or so on?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I mean, James, our drummer, Liam our guitarist and Nathan our bassist they each bring such an important element to the music And obviously like I'll write the the, the song sort of behind guys behind closed doors but that's only, that's only one part of it that's sort of the, the, the bones of the song the energy that we have on the on the record and when we play live comes from all the other elements the only the energy isn't there when I write the songs you yeah. so it's often it's often quite quite somber quite sad um so yeah absolutely I, I, I would be absolutely nowhere without them.
0: Um, and I guess one of the final things I'll just ask you is: uh, do you have plans for a potential EP or an album? Because I know uh, at the moment um, the, it's, it's been a string of single so far. And uh, in addition to that, do you think uh, if you were to release uh, uh, a kind of a compilation of your music like that, do you think it would be uh, conceptual or do you think it would be kind of each song standing on their own?
1: I do. I've always really, really liked the idea of a of a of a concept album or EP, a concept concept piece of work, um, just because I'm I'm just a sucker for like sto- like stories and lyrics and things like that. Things I've I've always loved the idea of a concept album. Whether or not we'll actually end up doing that, difficult to say. I think the plan has always been to release <clears throat> a string of singles until we sort of. And I think I think in this time, I think with things like social media, I think people's including mine including my um sort of attention span is a lot shorter i think mm-hmm. people are less inclined to sort of sit down and listen to a full ep yeah. cover to cover or an album cover to cover so i think our, our, our plan anyway has always been to release a string of singles sort of in, the, in the attempt that we don't sort of like dilute any any good any good songs really we've always thought sort of the more the more songs you put out at once you sort of you sort of diluting the diluting the impact it has on people um However, we do, we're very fortunate that we have a lot of songs sort of sitting ready to go. So, yeah, an EP is definitely on the cards. <clears throat> I think, I think, I think an album, I think the debut album, we're definitely going to hold off on that and wait till we've got some sort of proper backing from, sure. yeah, a label and sure. something like that. Yeah.
0: Um, actually, one thing I'd like to pick your brain about a little bit is um, you were kind of mentioning, you know, your kind of love for um, the kind of conceptual album and the conceptual EP or conceptual um, collection of work. I was wondering how you feel um, like music existing now in, in terms of like a, a streaming culture with like playlists as well as like uh TikTok where it's all about kind of, you know, uh, making sure that your your song is kind of, um, I don't know condensed into this like 30 second little package or something like that and um, obviously I mean that seems kind of antithetical to your uh, love of storytelling your love of um, of a concept wondering uh, what your opinion is
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's 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 it would be I would love to be able to just ignore that and be like okay cool, I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter about that I'm just gonna I'm gonna do my own thing and write a 10 minute song about a girl I love which would be great I would love to do that but you, you we can't really ignore the fact that as I mentioned earlier, people's people's, including mine's, but tension spans are a lot shorter now. People are just obviously digesting so much media all the time. Yeah, people are watching two seconds of a video, getting bored, scrolling, 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 and you have to sort of incorporate some of that mentality into your song, into the songwriting. Um, I think obviously, and it, it does change, change changes the way we write songs completely. It's we have to be aware of hitting the chorus within. Within the first minute, really within the, 40, yeah. the first fifty-five seconds, and if you can, even quicker. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what radios want. That's what labels want. That's what that's what people want, really. So, which is a shame, really. But it's it, it is just it is just part of it. It's just the it's just the day and age we live in, really. But mm-hmm. I, think, I think when you put out an extended piece of work like an album or even an EP, there's there's room to have those songs that aren't that were, that were never meant to be singles, where you can sort of have free reign and write whatever you want. So we, we we've got that to come.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to uh, your live shows, for example, um, do you kind of uh, incorporate a narrative structure in your set list or do you kind of just, again, let it free reign?
1: Very good question. Um, yes, we do. We try to, I mean, there's, there's, there's obvious things that we try to have. We don't put two songs in the same key back to back. Um, yeah. There's a couple of those instances in the sets. We keep We keep those separated. Apart from that, narratively, not really, no. The songs tend to be sort of standalone stories. There aren't I can only think of two songs that sort of are based around the same story. Um, which is good, which gives us, yeah, more free reign to sort of order the set list how we like. We tend to and then obviously more, or more other obvious things like we put if we've got a new single, we'll put that at the end. Although Two Towns has been our set closer for a long time. I mean, since it was written, it was it was written with that big ending from the very, from the very beginning. It was written as a set closer. Mm-hmm. Um so to finally have that out now is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. Very good question.
0: Um, I guess um, I've asked everything I'd like to ask. Uh, is there anything you'd like that, or anything you'd like to plug, or anything like that?
1: Um, absolutely. I mean, we've got we've got loads of live shows coming up. We're, we're gigging pretty. Pretty heavily at the moment, which is incredible. Such a nice feeling. Obviously, this is, the, this is the first. This is the first time we've been back, back gigging heavily since since before COVID. Really, things were things were just starting to pick up before COVID, and then first we played our we played our final gig before lockdown about three days before the first lockdown. Okay, um, and it was our it was our biggest show today in in London, the O2 Academy in Islington, and then lockdown hit, and obviously we um, we lost two members um, for financial and geographical reasons. And it's taken us a long time to sort of get back, back, get back on our feet, and now we're in a really strong position. So, we're, um, yeah, we're, we're fresh off playing. We played Doctor Dot Festival in Bristol nice. um, on Saturday, and then we're up north playing Tong Festival um, next weekend. And then just check the date on this one. Yeah, we're playing Moles in Bath on the nineteenth of June. Okay. Um, Organised by Memphis Management, who're doing our PR as well. Um, yep, yeah, so that's if people if people wanna come get tickets to that would be incredible and then we've got a headline show at the end of june in bristol at mr wolf's um thursday thursday night uh, thursday the 29th which should be a good one that should be that should be our looking to looking to sell that one out so that should be good yeah exciting time
0: that's perfect man thanks very much for your time
1: no thank you so much i really appreciate it thank yeah. you very much
0: thank you for listening to that episode of PostBurnout.com interviews we hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for more